is Sportsnet Today with Aaron Vickers and Peter Klein on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, we are getting right to it here on Sportsnet Today. I'm Peter Klein. He is Aaron Vickers. This is the DL Basement Systems downtown studio here in downtown Calgary. It's a Friday before the long weekend, but we are not phoning it in. A jam-packed show and it starts right away. Uh, first of all, Aaron, hi, how are you? I am doing swell after the beating I took last night. Yes, and we will get into that. You will be mocked accordingly for uh, your, your fantasy football performance. But that is not what we are here to talk about. Uh, we are here to talk about real things. And part of that is the Calgary Flames. Uh, Elias Lindholm's contract status remains the big talking point in this city around its NHL hockey team. Uh, and here to discuss that, amongst a number of other things, is Ufe Bodine. He is the head of sports media for Better Collective and the former editor-in-chief of Hockey Sferie. Uh Ufe, first of all, I apologize for remarkably butchering that uh, uh, pronunciation, but uh, how are you today? <laughs> uh, Peter, that's totally okay. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty used to that now, so I, <laughs> I can handle it. Thanks. I'm, I'm doing very well, thank you. Well, thank you for coming on. We, we really do appreciate it. Uh, there was a, a story in the pronunciation with which I, pro- or the, the publication with which I pronounced wrong, um, with uh, about Elias Lindholm and his status with the Calgary Flames. Uh, that's a, a big focus here. And from, from the piece that was posted, it seems like he's still relatively open to, to coming uh, to Calgary long term. What do you think the, the chances are that Elias Lindholm could be a Calgary Flame beyond just this next season? Well, based on his comments, he's uh, certainly open to staying. And I, I think that's the thing fans want to hear right now, that at least it's a possibility. And then we don't know what's going to happen with the negotiations. He was pretty he was pretty blunt about that. And it's up to his agents and the, the Flames uh, with Craig Conroy, obviously, to, to sort that out. But just him saying that he's willing to stay... Uh, at least from my view, it's, it's it's a bit of optimism after all the rumors that we've heard this summer about him wanting out. So um, at the same time, basically in the same sentence, he, he says that, you know, uh, if things don't work out, uh, then I'll be a free agent. But there's nothing strange about that. So uh, sort of mixed messages here, but uh, at least uh, some positives. Ufe, I'm going to read the quote um, as translated by you. And full disclosure, I woke up this morning to a message from Ufe going, hey, here's here's this Flames news you keep bugging me about. This is finally Elias Lindholm <laughs> talking. His first conversation, I do believe, with media since locker cleanout day here in Calgary, at least the one that I can recall. The quote is, I'm willing to stay. My agent in, Cal- my agent in Calgary will handle most of it. There's a lot we have to agree on, but I've said that I can consider staying. After that, it's up to the agent and Calgary to sort out the rest. Then we'll see whether or not it works out. I have one year left, but if things don't go as planned, then I'll become a free agent. Nothing strange about that. We'll see what happens. So there's two things, Ufe, I want to highlight in that quote. The, I'm willing to stay, and but if things don't go as planned. Which should I be more paying attention to the I'm willing to stay or the portion where he goes, well, if this doesn't go my way, I guess I'll become a free agent. Yeah, I'm I'm just, we're getting down to semantics here, but I'm just intrigued by planned. I mean, does he plan to stay then? Or am I reading too much into that? I, I don't think you are. I think um, just reading the bare text, I don't have context. This was a Ronnie Ronquist article 
Um, so I don't have tone. I don't have uh, intonation. I don't have things. Oh. I, I can't read his, his, his body language or anything like that. But the thing that I'm most curious about is we finally got a declaration from him that he's willing to stay because we've spent the entire summer going, why haven't we heard him decide whether or not he can envision himself being long-term in Calgary? Well, now this sounds like he can picture that future of another eight years on top of his one year remaining as a member of the Calgary Flames. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that, yeah. Um, just that, I mean, the thing you've been hearing all summer is that he's contemplating uh you know getting out of there or, or at least uh, maybe i don't know doing the matthew kachuk uh, thing and, and ask for a trade or something but that, that doesn't seem like that's something in his plans right now at least from from what these quotes uh show us did you have any vibe or sense before these comments from him which way he was leaning you're obviously going to be more plugged into the swedish end of things than we are here in calgary and you've got a great uh relationship with many Swedish hockey players. I'm just curious if you had sensed anything before these comments made to, uh, to Ronnie today. No, not really. Um, so uh, Ronnie is a, a great colleague of mine and, and does some really great work. So we had the discussion before. Uh, he went to, to meet with Elias in, in Yavde where he lives uh, and just to sort of give you some kind of context. And so he was coming in there with a pretty... Um, I mean, obviously he wanted to know, and uh, just Elias was very forthcoming and didn't like shy away from the question, from what I understand. So I think that's a good sign too. But I, I actually met and, and interviewed uh, Rasmus Anderson last week, and, and obviously we talked about uh, the Elias situation. And he, I mean, as a, as a friend and teammate, he wouldn't like give up any anything. Mm-hmm. But he said that he had like completely, he completely respected. Um, you know how hard it is for for a player in Elias' situation to, to I mean to uh, to decide because like there's so much money and there's so many years at stake here and obviously um, when you sign a contract like this, which is basically I, I guess for the remainder of his career in the NHL, then you obviously want to want to have a good feeling and feel like you can actually win something by staying and I think that's probably something that's weighing very very heavy on him right now like with the I mean a new coach a new general manager obviously those are guys that he knows since before but it's still it's still a lot of unknowns to what's going to happen with the Calgary Flames so I I, my gut feeling is that he want to just like uh, Michael Backlund has stated that he wants to see what, what the team is all about and um, how the season progresses before taking a, or, or making a decision. I think that's what's going to be so hard for the players because so much depends on um, the success of the team, the season, it seems. Yeah, do you get the sense that Elias Lindholm saying, I'm willing to stay, doesn't necessarily mean that something's going to be imminent in the next 24 or 48 hours, that Lindholm's actually going to want to get to Calgary, get a sense of how the atmosphere feels, how it's improved or maybe differed from last season, which was a very tough season for everyone involved. Is this more of a case of he's going to come back to Calgary for camp, settle into the season, and then get a better read on what the, for lack of a better term, the new Calgary Flames atmosphere is? Yeah, I I, I would assume so, yeah. Just like Backlund, I think, uh, I mean, for Backlund, it's a, it's a different story. He's uh, five more than five years older and, and like in the last sort of, third of his career what, what do you want to say but so it's, it's 
but I think since we all know this is going to be, if it's going to be with the Flames, it's going to be a long-term, uh, very expensive deal, obviously. So, um, I mean, there's a lot on, at stake here for both parties. So um, I think if something happens, it probably won't happen until, I mean, closer to the mid part of the season when he's going to have to make up his mind because the Flames want to know, like, are we going to trade you or are we going to keep you and sign you? You mentioned talking to Rasmus uh, a week or so ago. Do you get the sense that he or Jacob Markstrom or any other of the uh, Swedish Flames contingent, which is not small in that locker room, might lobby Elias Lindholm a little bit, try to convince him to stay longer term? Um, I mean, he wouldn't... uh... He wouldn't confess to that, obviously, but um, yeah. I think, like, I mean, for a guy like Rasmus and, and obviously Markstrom as well, I mean, they're going to be around for a while. So, I mean, for them, um, I mean, the Flames are obviously going to be worse off without Elias Lindholm. So, I think for them, it's, it would be a really good, really good thing if he stayed. So, obviously, I, I think. Just uh, uh, from a selfish standpoint, that I, I assume they would. But uh, at the same time, Rasmus told me like he really respects that it, it's a tough decision for Elias, and and also said about Backlund that he would, if he was, I mean, uh, Michael's age, he would, you know, have probably the same doubts uh, because you know you only have a few years, few years left in in the career in the NHL, then you want to take a chance to win, and then you want to be certain that the team that you uh, represent is going to have the chance to win. Ufe Bodin joining us here on Sportsnet today here on your Friday. Um, In the piece, uh, Elias kind of uh, admits that he, along with basically everyone else on the Flames, had a a bit of a down year, but uh, away from the ice, there was a lot going on in the the life of Elias Lindholm. Uh, Their son arrived five weeks early. With that comes a a lot of different things. he still ends up with 22 goals on the season. So it certainly was far from a disaster, but how much do you think the, the, the off ice situation that he was going through maybe affected some of the stuff that he, he had to go through on the ice? Yeah. He, that's what kind of he said that he, um, usually he's pretty good at, you know, turning, uh, the noise out, so to speak, like he, he doesn't let things uh, bother him, but obviously, um, in a situation like that, when you have a, a son that's born uh, prematurely and with, with ordeals that comes with, I mean, it's it's obviously something that you you can't really turn off. I mean, it's probably the biggest thing in life to become a father. And uh, for him, I, I, I assume it was a really tough time. And, and obviously, maybe, you know, not getting the sleep or, or the just, uh, I mean, Going around worrying, I mean, that could affect anyone, whatever you, whatever vocation you have in life. So um, I would assume that it it did bother him somehow, but um, like everything seems to work out fine now and everyone is doing good. So hopefully it's something that won't, uh, he won't have problem with going into this upcoming season. Um with um, uh, Lindholm and with the Flames, there, like we said, that there was a lot of things going on, and one of them appeared to be Daryl Sutter's impact uh, on this hockey club. Uh, Lindholm, in mm-hmm. the piece, discusses uh, Daryl Sutter's coaching style, and um, it didn't seem to be too negative compared to, to what some other people may <laughs> have stated uh, about the the Flames no. head coach. But it, it 
what did you make of, of some of the comments that, that Lindholm said just about the atmosphere around this team? No, I mean, he was, uh, he said, it, like, I, I also spoke to, to Rasmus Anderson about that last week, and he, he was stated the same thing. Obviously, it was tough. It was a tough year, uh, you know, with all the close games they lost and, and the overtime losses and everything. But at the same time, uh, they they all seem to have sort of a mutual respect for uh, Daryl Sutter. Um, but uh, as I think people have stated before, like it's such a difference when you when you lose all those games and you have a coach that's demanding. It, it sort of piles up in the end. So um, I think you know the negativity maybe became too big in the long run, and just I think it sapped a lot of energy out of the team and the players. Um, but at the same time, I mean, Rasmus, he said that he owes basically his career to his NHL career to Daryl Sutter because he was the one who really gave him a chance to shine in Calgary. And uh, he has the utmost respect for him. So I don't think, uh, I mean, I mean, after reading some of the things that we read this summer, you, you would assume that everyone just hated uh, Daryl Sutter's guts. But uh, from, what, from what I understand, a lot of players uh, really uh, admire him as well. Ufe, was there anything else from uh, Ronnie's article and conversation with uh, Calgary Flame Center Elias Lindholm that grabbed you? I noticed a, a reference to Rasmus Anderson in there. Was there anything else that maybe piqued your interest a little bit as you, uh, I guess, went over the words that Elias Lindholm said in regards to basically everything? No, basically the way the interview ended, it, he said that he liked living in Calgary. And uh, obviously you can have cold winters, but I mean, we have cold <laughs> winters in Sweden too. So it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's nothing that really should bother him in, in that sense either. So, uh, I mean, he's played in Carolina before, I mean, uh, which at the time at least was a pretty dull market. I think it's gotten better since, but um, I mean, I think he appreciates the fact that he's playing in a city where there's a huge passion for, for hockey with people in the stands that really care and really adores their their, their NHL team. So I, I think there's a lot of positive things you can take out of this as well. I guess that's on me for kind of skipping over that part. Whenever a player compliments the city of Calgary, it should uh, it should <laughs> open eyes that. a little bit just based on the fact that there have been so many departures over the course of the last calendar year or so. Um, so you get the sense through through those words that it's not necessarily a sunny, beachy climate that Elias Lindholm craves, that he's, he's quite happy with the situation in Calgary in terms of the city. Yeah, I mean... Uh... I mean, I don't know if it's just courtesy, but he seems to really enjoy it. And um, I mean, um, if, if he wouldn't like it, I, I guess he would have asked for a trade by now. But I, I think he still feels like there's uh, there's some there's something left in his team that's that's that he's willing to explore. Because I mean, obviously it was a down year last year, but they were still pretty darn close to making the playoffs. So it's not like uh, not like it's a team that's heading for a rebuild anytime soon. Uh, you've brought up uh, Rasmus Anderson a couple of times, and he's a player that uh, a lot of fans out here are intrigued by this uh, upcoming season as he kind of transitions from young player on the roster now into a, a bit of a leadership role, especially if, if guys like, like Lindholm and Backlund find themselves elsewhere. Um, I, I guess, what's your sense on, on what we could expect from a, a Rasmus Anderson this season as he kind of transitions into a, a new chapter of his career? 
Yeah, it's, I think the the most important thing is that he is finally healthy again because you all know the, the accident he had in Detroit back in February and uh, he has told the story how how long it actually took him to, to become... I mean, he only missed three games. I, I, I can't imagine like what kind of pain he went through to, to play the, I mean, the last part of the season. But apparently when the season was done, he took, I think it was five weeks off just to let the body heal. And now he's feeling really fresh again and, and feels like he's uh, put that accident behind him. Because he said that although he, I mean, he actually played pretty decent despite, mm-hmm. you know, having uh, severe back problems during the, the last stretch of the season. So um, I think uh, we can expect even more from him now that he's actually feeling like himself again. How have you seen Rasmus Anderson grow as a person? And I ask this, and this may sound weird, but it's no secret the Calgary Flames have a vacancy at, in their captaincy right now. That's a weird phrase to put those two words back to back, but I just did it, and I'm, I'll challenge it. Gosh darn it. Does he Has he matured? in your opinion, over the course of the last two, three, four years? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's actually, I, I don't think I had met him since, like, before the pandemic. I think uh, I met him in Vancouver. It must have been, like, early 2020. So, and ever since, it seems like he's been just growing as a player and as a person, too. I mean, becoming a father two years ago probably helped, and uh, I mean, he was uh, he was a snotty little kid when he came up in the Swedish ranks. So, <laughs> and uh, just I, I'm mostly amazed like what kind of like development he has done as a player because he used to be this one-dimensional power play defenseman who couldn't defend, and now he's like really, in my view at least, a really solid two-way player who can do a bit of everything. And I still feel like he's got probably some more um, offensive potential left. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out and, and has a career season, actually. Does he give off captain vibes to you? Because there were definitely times near the end of the season when things weren't going right for the yeah. Calgary Flames. They'd lose a yeah. game. He'd be the guy that comes out with yeah. with some passion, some anger, some snarl, and really be yeah. the voice of the Calgary Flames. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a vocal guy. I mean, you all met him and know what he's like what he's like and a really vocal guy who's not afraid to to really say what he thinks uh, which i don't i don't know maybe that can be a curse sometimes but but yeah i i, I feel he's got leadership skills for sure um so um i don't know if he's like the next captain of the calgary flames but um i wouldn't be surprised if he at least gets uh, an a on his chest next season uh, don't want to do a full rundown of every Swedish player the Flames have because we'd be here for a month. But uh, Oliver <laughs> Oliver Shillington uh, missed uh, all of last season for personal reasons. Uh, hopefully, mm-hmm. whatever he needed to get sorted out has been sorted out. Uh, but but he's a player that again a lot of people out here quite excited about with uh, a bit of upside skating ability, offensive uh, things and whatnot. What what are you expecting for from Oliver this year after a, a year away from the game? Yeah, obviously, being away for for a whole year that's uh, that's tough for any player. But um, you've probably seen the workout videos, and you know this is a guy who works out with uh, Yoni Oduya in the summers, who is probably the most uh, <laughs> the most uh, disciplined NHL player I've ever met in my life. And I mean, I just think the the good habits that he sort of 
gives Oliver, uh, I think that's, that might be a, a really good sign that he will be physically ready to to step back into the league and, and be that really good player, that breakthrough player that he was in, in his uh, last year with the Flames when he really, or should I say finally, it, it seemed like things just um, clicked for him. And I, I, I really hope we get to see the same uh, Oliver Shillington again. Yeah, you mentioned the fitness and conditioning he has. If you ever just happen to scroll by his Instagram and see a workout, you know those two elements are certainly there. How long do you think it'll take him to get back to the stride that he made a couple seasons ago alongside Chris Tana? Because he really developed and elevated himself into a top four defenseman. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. I mean, he's going to have to to play a lot of games just to to get that feeling back. So I I wouldn't be surprised if it takes like a month or two for him to to really get back into the groove. Um, but I mean, Ryan Huska, obviously, since their time in in together in Stockton, they I mean, they obviously know each other very well. So I think that's a huge uh, advantage for the Flames uh, when it comes to Shillington. Uh, Ufe, thank you very much for, for doing this today. We, we really appreciate you taking this time, and, and uh, we, we asked you a bunch about a lot of different players today. So uh, thank you very much for this, and uh, have a good one. Always a pleasure. Have a great weekend, guys. You as well. Uh, there is Ufe Bodine, again, the head of sports media for Better Collective and former editor-in-chief for Hockey Sferier? I thought, I thought he did okay on that, but I, again, have absolutely no point of reference for it, so I probably butchered it entirely. And um, the good part is, is you can't be the worst person to butcher that. Right. Like, it's yeah. like somebody's done a worse job than you at some point at that. And I, you might have it a hundred percent correct. And I, and here couldn't I tell, am, you know what? Couldn't tell you it's the best I've ever pronounced it. I'll tell you that for free. Um, but I came away from, from this conversation and reading that a lot like a, this Lindholm situation isn't getting figured out before the season starts. Right. In my opinion. And B, a whole lot of it is going to be based on how this team performs in the first few months of the, the regular season. Is that kind of your read on this as well? Well, so I'm curious. I'm willing to stay is the key quote that's going to get tweeted out millions and millions of times. Yes. That might be a slight exaggeration, nope. but still, in Flamesland, it will be. But if things don't go as planned is the other quote. Now, does that mean the team starts 3-13 and 13 and it's very clear that this team isn't going to be competitive? Is that the part that doesn't go as planned? Is the contract offer not high enough? Is that the part that doesn't go as planned? Like, I'm curious what the plan is right. and what that quote actually references. We won't be able to get to that till he arrives in Calgary for training camp, yeah. but I'm curious about those two elements. Yeah, I when, when you read pieces like this, you, you start to kind of, uh, or at least I do, start to romanticize, oh, this guy just wants to win. That's all he's focused on. But I, I can't imagine if the Flames do the, the reverse of that, where they go 13-3 and three to start the year, he's going to be like, you know what? 3.5. Let's do this. Lock it in. Like, there, there is still absolutely going to be a, a dollar figure, and there is a, a walk away. Like, there's a, a floor to, to what he is going to be looking for. But I, I do kind of get the sense that the, the main thing that is going to decide if he stays here or not is going to be how this team is performing. Again, they're going to have to offer him a competitive wage, um, and and that's probably going to be a number that a lot of people are uncomfortable with, but I, I get the sense that it is going to have to be this team is playing well and looks like the team that, quite frankly, a lot of people thought they were going to be last year before he he's putting pen to paper in Calgary. I wonder if there's an internal checklist. And, and as you mentioned, it's contract offer, it's competitive team, it's good vibes, it's the direction is the way I want to see it go. 
if I'm going to make an additional eight-year commitment. Because as it stands right now, he signs an eight-year deal. That's nine more years he's locked into because he still yeah. has to close out uh, his current contract. That's a massive commitment. Yeah. And anything can happen in sports. Anybody can get traded. Circumstances can change, so on and so forth, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But at that moment, you're pledging to be a member of the Calgary Flames for nine more seasons after having already spent five in the city. That's 14 years of your life. It's basically his last big contract, right? Like, he's 28 years old, unless he finds the absolute fountain of youth and is just, like, all out when he's 36, 37 years old. Um, this This is the big one for him. So... Um, yeah, it's, it's, do you want to like, Hey, make sure you make how much money, like how the, the, the right amount of money. So you're set, but also like, yeah, do I want to stay here basically for 95% of my career? Yeah. And that's, he's willing. Yeah. He said he's willing. Yeah. So, so we will see, we will continue the, uh, Lindholm discussion as we get into the, the show, but we have a lot coming up on this program today. A whole lot of football coming your way in the next little while. Uh, we have Maddie Rose joining the show at 3 o'clock. Nick Lewis at 3.30. Really looking forward to that conversation. Uh, we are also going to get into the, the world of Cirque coming up at uh, at 4 o'clock. I am so fascinated yes. for that conversation. And a lot more Flames talk till, still to come as well. We are jammed up on a Friday. When we come back, we will ruthlessly... Make fun of Aaron Vickers for his fantasy football performance just one short night ago. Bring it. Uh, and we will also get into some NFL conversations. We are now less than a week away from the season kicking off. There are a few win totals that we have our eye on, and we will be taking a look at them next. As Sportsnet Today continues here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Uh, welcome back to our one of Sportsnet Today. I'm Peter Klein. He is Aaron Vickers, and we come to you today from the DL Basement Systems downtown studios for Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Cracked Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. We have a simple, permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They are all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Um, before we get into your fantasy performance, I, I do believe you probably have a comment or two about the, the music that we were just blessed with coming into to this segment. Yeah, um... <laughs> I actually am speechless. <laughs> That's good for me. Is that, is that a comment? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, and I should have seen it coming. It's Friday. I've been here enough Fridays to know that Rebecca Black is going to make an appearance at some point. Yeah. And every time it still just blindsides you. She had to make bank off of that thing, right? Like the, the amount of people who like she probably She's got, still an artist too. You probably got artist. just an absolute like whack load of negative comments that probably would have affected you negatively for many, many years. But... All those people watched. All those people listened. I, I am sure. Are you looking at the number of views yes. that thing got right now? Because that's well, going to so hurt my her, feelings. Her YouTube channel alone, mm-hmm. and you can relate because you're close to this many, uh, <laughs> 1.51 million subscribers to her YouTube channel. That's not <sighs> views on the video no. for Friday. Good for her. 1.5 million thumbs up. Oh, okay. For what for what that counts for. I, I don't know exactly it helps algorithms. What that counts for. And if I knew where to find the view count, I'd tell you. God, how old are you? Really old. <laughs> um oh, that's not how you spell YouTube. Oh, this is a 167 great... million. Almost, almost said billion there, but it's 167 million. Holy cow. So generally you get like Three to five dollars per. I think it's hundred thousand views. Um, so she probably didn't make like as much off of that, but also I'm sure she's a millionaire like, because of that song. So, yeah, easily, oh, yeah. far and away, oh. over and over. 
for sure. Yes. Um, so yeah, good just for like, her. For, just here's uh, a segue. My team looks like a million bucks, buddy. Does it? Because Yahoo disagrees. So to set the stage, uh, we will be getting into more, uh, for lack of a better term, real NFL conversations in this segment. But um, last night was a Calgary media fantasy football draft. We did a lot of uh, previewing coming in. We did a lot of trash talk. I, I referenced Owen Nolan, so you know things were serious. Uh, we, we all gathered and made our selections. Couple of notes. One, Eric Francis was 100% sandbagging, and I he he continues to say that he wasn't, but he 100% was, and I will not believe anything else. Dude showed up with a phone and a piece of paper and a pen. Yeah. He went analog on this. His draft board was Travis Kelsey, and that was it. He didn't, like, that was what was written down with Travis Kelsey. That's all he wanted. And look, got the guy who was on top of his board as he picked second overall. Um, his draft grade ended up being an A+. So the other end of the spectrum. Yes. And then you work your way all the way down through the remaining 14 teams. And at the very bottom, you see Team Vickers with a draft grade. Hey, that's the only time you're going to see me at the bottom, buddy. We're going straight to the ship. With an F. So, first of all, let's just, let's quickly discuss. If you're drafting, Failed. if you're measuring your success on September 1st, mm -hmm. you're doing it wrong. Right. Second, if you're actually trusting Yahoo's point projections, you're doing it wrong. Third, if you don't draft a kicker, you're doing they're, it wrong. They're no. Oh, okay. I mean, that's <laughs> the second easiest position to stream. But if you don't draft a kicker, they're going to dock you those points in doing the tabulation for. Okay, we project you to get this many points, and that equates to this letter grade. That's how we get to an F. Um, I mean, with a manager like you. You should be in great shape no matter what the computers say. Mm -hmm. Literally my report card. So even it has faith in me, despite giving me the F. Right. It also has faith in me, and they gave me a B plus. So I like I'm mm. just putting that. Mine mine references bulletin board material. So uh <laughs> hey. Yeah. I'm I'm okay with my team. I quite like it. Um I'm I'm ready for this thing to go. It's gonna be fun trash talking every single one of you every single chance I get. There was one that you took, uh, Khalil Herbert. When you, you drafted him, I gave you a bit of a look. That one, um, that one stung me a little bit personally. Now we weren't anywhere close to each other um, in drafting, so it's, uh, I didn't have a whole lot to do with that. Like we were basically uh, several selections apart. It's not like I was absolutely snaked at the last moment of it, but it was extremely hilarious that uh, your yours came up in F. I, I uh, you know what. The, that was uh, mildly amusing. What I found hilarious was Maddie Rose screen grabbing all the letter grades, and I'm sure we'll get into it with him in a bit, mm -hmm. and then tweeting them out. Yeah. I felt attacked. But at the same time, bring it. See, here's the thing. If you feel attacked by strictly a posting of results... Then per I feel like there you was left yourself open to attack. I feel like there was ulterior motives there, <laughs> right? And hey, I bet I, I'm willing to say this right now. I bet you Maddie is one of the best trash talkers in the league, oh, and I don't think he does anything by mistake. No, so him doing that challenge accepted. I can't. I, I I cannot stress this part enough. You did make it easy on him by getting an F. <laughs> right? You know, what? like I would not trade my team for your team. No, and you got a B plus. I did get a B plus. So here we are. Yeah, I had the thirteenth overall pick, and I think I, I salvaged things uh, salvaged things quite well. Mm. That's cute that you think that. <laughs> cute. All right, so on, we're not going to get too far into no. like my fantasy team, your fantasy team, but was there a? a we kind of talked about this in our our, our post draft wrap up 
that we did at the pub. But uh, was there a pick or two of yours that were like, nailed it? So here's another reason I graded so badly. Okay. Jake Ferguson is my tight end. Right. He have the 3.96 points projected from Yahoo this week. I'd be shocked if three people have heard of Jake Ferguson. There's people in his family who don't know he plays for the Cowboys. I think somebody made the point that that sounded like a fake made up name. Oh, that was me. That was you. Yeah. And then I Googled him and he 100% looks like randomly generated created player in Madden. He 100% exists and he's going to start at tight end for Dallas who has Dak under center who isn't shy to find a tight end every now and then. So I feel pretty good about that. I got him in like round 12 or 13. Yeah. So I'm quite comfortable there. I like that. I'm on Ross St. Brown. I love him. He is a top five wide receiver, I think, when it all when it's all said and done at the end of the season. And I really like what my running backs are doing. So how about you? What 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 gets you excited about your team? Um, I love my receiving room um, with uh, Devonte Adams, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, sorry, I was a little on, but I I think that San Francisco team is just going to put up points everywhere. Um, and so, well, after we discussed, he is maybe the fourth option yes. on, on San Francisco. He is the fourth option behind an injury-prone running back and tight end. So I, I feel no concerns about that. And then on my bench, I have Zay Flowers and Romeo Dubs, two receivers. Uh, Flowers, a rookie. I think he, by the end of the year, is the number one receiver with the, the Baltimore Ravens, an offense that has said they're going to throw the ball more. And Romeo Dubs, who I think takes a, a second-year uh, jump. Mm-hmm. And for a Green Bay Packers team who as we will discuss as this segment goes on, I am actually kind of sneaky high on this year. But I am so thrilled to have got both Jalen Warren and Tank Bigsby at the the back end of the draft. I am not a big Travis Etienne believer. And so I think by the end of the year, uh, Bigsby could be the guy with Jacksonville on a team that, again, is expected to take a step forward. And Jalen Warren is by far and away the superior running back in Pittsburgh. Not even close. He is so much better than Najee Harris. If I've noticed, Mike Tomlin has noticed. And so those are two guys who I think I got at the back end of the draft who have the potential to turn into number one running backs on their team as the season progresses. So I I like my team just as is. And I think that I have depth on the bench that could turn it into uh, a really, really good team. Okay, let's flip this into a real conversation because you know what I'm actually excited about? Hmm. The odds makers in Vegas putting the Buffalo Bills regular season win over under at 10 and a half. Yes. What are they doing? <laughs> Can you answer me that? They went 13 and three last year. They have one yeah. of the best QBs, one of the best wide receivers, quality O-line, great D. What am I missing here at 10 and a half other than they stop playing games at some point? I want to uh, put the, the caveat on this that I agree with you. Okay. The counterpoint to that would be the number one receiver, Stephon Diggs, just left for a little bit, uh, which, you know, bad vibes. Uh, they did not address running back. They you don't like Cook? I don't. I I think he's fine, but like he he is not. Oh wow! Well, they got James Cook. Well, everything is okay. I think he is fine. I think, um, he, I think he just needs to be okay for I, Buffalo. I don't think he needs to be great. Yeah, and I think he can be okay. I think how their season ended um, in, in the postseason last year concerns a lot of people. Which again, I don't agree with. I think this is a very good football team, but how their season ended concerns people. Also, that division is stupid. Uh, The Jets, even though I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be the absolute savior for the Jets, he is still better than they had last year, and the rest of the team is awesome. I think Miami is going to be sweet, and I think the the Patriots, while still not fantastic, uh, they at least have an offensive coordinator now. So I I think the road to 13 wins 
uh, gets uh, a little bit more challenging for them this season, given some of the challenges in their division, at least. Okay, but but I'm looking at the road to 11 wins. Yes, I, all that being account. said, I agreed for <laughs> I, I agree with you. I, I think they win this division, and uh, I would take them at oh, because that's was that 11 and six? Because they play 17 games now. Yeah, uh, 11 and six. Like seems very doable for that team. That a team that has any team. It doesn't have to be the Bills, but yeah. any team that has Super Bowl aspirations. I mean, I think the minimum should be 11. It's it's just one game, but thinking of the Buffalo Bills as a 10 and seven football team just doesn't seem right. Like this is a team that's better than three games above 500, which would be the under of this is 10 and yes. seven, right? So I, I agree with you with uh, with over 10 and a half wins. Uh, another one that I, I found to be maybe a bit undervalued, and this is, I think, my fifth year in a row of going all in, well, not all in, but getting behind this team. Nine and a half felt low for the Chargers. Um, the, the AFC West, I think, is going to be bad. Well, not necessarily bad. At the top, there's a, a pretty good team. But Denver, I, I think, is a lot of hype, and I think they're going to be back to where they were a season ago. And I think the Vegas Raiders are going to be putrid this season. So, hey, there's four wins right there. You have Kellen Moore, who is going to, I think, unlock things in this offense. That was the most mismanaged offense in the NFL, amongst at least teams that were trying to be competitive last season. I think Kellen Moore unlocked something with, with one of the more talented quarterbacks we have in the right. league in Justin Herbert. They drafted Quinton Johnson, so they have a bit more depth at wide receiver for the inevitable case when Keenan Allen or and Mike, Mike Williams, Williams. Uh, end up getting hurt. You still have a ton of talent on the defensive side of the ball with Bosa and with Derwin James, so I like the Chargers over nine and a half uh, in the AFC West. We just keep picking teams that we're going to agree on, and I might have a slight <laughs> bias on Justin Herbert, but I think mm. I find him curious because you look two seasons ago and what he was able to do in what his sophomore season in the NFL mm -hmm. set a record for passing yards for the Chargers. He is somewhere around plus eleven hundred to be MVP this season. I'm very curious. Well, I find it strange that he's actually ahead of Jalen Hurts. Yeah, in the preseason anyway uh, projection or odds, if you will to be MVP of the NFL this season. So you later in him, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen only finished four games together oh, last season. Man. Only finished four games. Yeah. So suddenly you're going to have them healthy, at least for now. Yeah. Again, caveat, they only finished four <laughs> games together. Right. You have Austin Eckler. You have all the pieces there from an offensive perspective to just sling the ball. Yeah. Just have a lot of fun, air it out, run it out like they're going to be one of the premier offenses to watch this year. So nine and a half for a team that boasts those kind of weapons. Again, caveat is they're healthy. Yeah. But yeah, I, I would, I would definitely take a good long gander at the over at nine and a half for them. Well, what's another one that kind of stood out to you? Um, so this, I was curious about this. I don't have vibes on it one way or the other. So I'm going to okay. ask you, I'm going to put this on you, Peter Klein. Are you ready? Yes. Cleveland Browns at nine even. Hammer the under. Yeah, you think they're going to be that bad? I, hey? I think Deshaun Watson is, is done. Cooked. Yes. Yeah. I I think what we saw from him last year is kind of what he is going to be going forward. Um, I I think he has had his world absolutely rocked, and not comparing the the two necessarily, but when Tiger Woods had all of his stuff laid out for the entire world to see. Uh, he had a bit of a falling off for a very long time. Now, he was also banged up, but for Deshaun Watson, it has to do something to you where your reputation goes from 
squeaky clean good guy in the community to what it is now. Um, like that just has to affect you. And so I think that given the division they play in, because the AFC North is ridiculously difficult this year with the uh, the Ravens, the Bengals, and the Steelers, I have all ahead of them right now. That is an absolute murderer's row. And I think they could, like they probably won't, but there is a world where they go 0-6 in that division. And that is an awfully difficult hill to climb when you're in a, a very competitive AFC. So I have... I have no hopes. That was one of the teams I actually had penciled down, Cleveland under nine. Um, I, I just, again, I don't see this. Now it's right at nine, so uh, a nine and eight season gives you a push. But to go over that, to give this team a 10 and seven, I just can't believe it. I, I think you're actually getting a lot of wiggle room by only needing them to go eight and nine to, to win this bet. Okay, since I quasi stole yours, which you had written down, I didn't That's have fine. mine written down, so I'm going to put put it back on you. This one's personal for me, so tread lightly. Okay. I, I, I know where you're going to go with it. I know what you're going to say about I it. I don't think you do. Tennessee Titans, seven and a half. Um, I like the Titans. Really? They, they were eight. Oh, didn't you? You even got a little squeak out of there. I was so yeah. surprised. <laughs> what? They were eight and three before Ryan Tannehill and everyone got injured last season. Now, they finished eight and nine, so not great. But hey, I, that's I think, not over. I think, yeah, exactly. I think Mike Vrabel is the best coach in that division. I think Derrick Henry is still going to be a beast. I think that defense has to be improved. And I think that they have solidified themselves at receiver with uh, with Hopkins and... Uh, Trey Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, with a, another year of that... Well, one is their first year. The other one is the, another year. Um, that They drafted Spears to be the backup to Derrick Henry. And Ryan Tannehill is fine. So again, um, <laughs> I mean, I would also accept it mediocre and vanilla. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he he peaks it fine. Um, but I I think this team is actually pretty well set up. And one of the ones I, I wouldn't put, at, as they say in the industry, I wouldn't put a full unit on uh, on this one. But how, I, I how much it. is a unit in the I, industry? It really depends on I, I think the person. But I, I think generally it's like the ten spot for me then would be a unit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like for me it's like five dollars. But. Uh, I would do a little sprinkle on uh, Tennessee Titans plus really? 330 to win the AFC South. So I'm terrified of what's going to happen to Derrick Henry because he's hit that age where everybody just goes, okay, it's time for you to break down. Now he had over 330 uh, carries last year. Yeah. When you couple his age with his workload from a season ago, everybody's just going to assume he's going to break down. Now the dude's a freak. Yeah. He is just, uh, he'll just smash right into you, which the style maybe is the, the reason for concern. Yeah. Because it wasn't a great O-line, and he was getting contacted below the line of scrimmage more often than not, yeah. and still managed positive yards. But I am, con- well, oh, you're going to say that the Tennessee Titans will only go as far as their star running back is going to take them? Bold claim. Yeah. But I just wonder what the mileage is on the body. And at some point, father time always wins. I, think, I just wonder yeah. when that is. I think they they use a first round pick to address the the offensive line and bringing in New Hopkins. You don't bring him in to not use him, right? Like they they didn't spend a ton for him, but they they, they gave him a pretty decent penny. So not that Tannehill's all of a sudden going to have fifty pass attempts a game, but I do think they are going to look to take at least some of the load and dependency off of Derrick Henry for this season and kind of keep him a little bit healthier for the the big games at the end of the year. All right. Well, you've. You've reaffirmed my status, my status, my confidence yeah. in the team that I cheer for, which is the Tennessee Titans. Now, just to get him riled up, 
because if he's not listening, I'm sure he has an alert for every time the Miami Dolphins are mentioned. Mm. Derek Wills, nine and a half. Now we're going back to we're going back to that really competitive division. Yeah, nine and a half to a healthy all season long. I think they get there. I do. I do too. I like this team a lot. Like you two can... of the best wide. Like, yeah, name me another team that has better one-two punch at wide receiver. That I mean, different, like Philadelphia, maybe, maybe depending with on AJ Brown and, uh, and Devonta Devon- Smith. Yeah, but I, I think Tua took a real step next year, and from everything you've heard, he has taken some like real again steps to figure out how to deal with that concussion situation he took jujitsu to try to learn how to fall a little bit better he has bulked up a little bit to to help his body withstand the punishment of a 17 game nfl season and for them hopefully beyond into the postseason and there is like maybe with the exception of the titans honestly there is not a team in the nfl where you could say oh well if their quarterback gets hurt then they're screwed that's everybody it just so happens we saw to a rather publicly injured uh, a season ago. Yes. But all of these guys are a violent hit to the head away from things changing very quickly, right? So I I think a bit of that is overstated. So I like the Dolphins uh, to, to go over there for sure. Anywhere else? Anything else that piques your interest? Are you... Uh... You smashing it over and under on anything else? What what tickles the fancy of Peter Klein right now? A couple that I am looking at here just quickly. Uh, one thing I, I love to do, because uh, aside from Arizona this year, Vegas <laughs> isn't giving us a whole lot of, oh, this team's going to be bad uh, this year. And I think there's a couple of teams that are just going to be bad that are being slightly overvalued in the market. Uh, one of them is Houston. They're at six and a half. I don't see one world where a rookie play caller and a rookie head coach gets this team to seven and ten. I, ju- I simply do not see it. I get the division sucks, but I, the, the, I just, I cannot, I can't even squint and see that happening. Now, could be wrong. They might have found the, the, the secret ingredient with, with uh, CJ Stroud, and off they go to the promised land of seven and 10. But I, I just don't see it. And the same thing goes for Carolina. Their total seven and a half. Now, that division is Garbaggio. So, Ooh, you class then, it up a little bit well, there. That's what I do on a Friday in a wrestling shirt and shorts is class it up. But I, again, you have a rookie quarterback, a team with minimal weapons offensively. The defense is good, but I seriously don't see a world where Carolina gets to eight wins this year. Uh, an eight and nine season for the Panthers just seems out of the realm for me. So a couple of bad teams that I think are being uh, overvalued right now are the uh, the Texans and the Panthers. Yeah, Houston, from a personnel standpoint, doesn't really do much for me. And to be honest, Carolina from an offensive perspective again, because I'm all offense, baby. <laughs> um, again, there aren't really any weapons there that, I, and you know what? I was a big Miles Sanders fan last year. I I don't know what this team is. When you look at him as your lead back, Andy Dalton, Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, like none of these names. Yeah. Even register. In terms of, oh man, imagine if this this group can find a way to build some chemistry and put it together. They're just going to take the NFL by storm. No, 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 no. Not. I think if you're going over seven and a half on Carolina, uh, you are hoping for best case scenario. You own the from team. Like yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, and, or you have a, a crystal ball that we do not have access to. We do have to, to hit the break, but just quickly, uh, someone saying the Bengals clear Miami for a, a one, two with Chase and with Higgins. I, I yeah. would take, I would take Waddle over Higgins. Um, and I think Hill mm. and, 
Honestly, I think I would take Chase over Hill too. So like the, the I would very, take Chase over Hill, and I and I might go Waddle. Yeah. So I still I still think it's Miami. Yeah. The Bengals are certainly close. Uh, someone who thinks the Bengals would be close is going to be joining us to start the three o'clock hour as Maddie Rose stops by as we turn our focus to Labor Day. The Calgary Stampeders taking on the Edmonton Elks. It is a huge series for the local club. We will set the stage in the next hour. First up is Maddie Rose giving us a live rendition of the Stamps Report that is coming up next here on Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.